Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration is to tell you if you're not okay, say so. Your life experiences, both good and bad, are all a part of the redemptive plan of God. But sometimes when you suffer traumatic things so that God will be glorified in you, it leaves you struggling, flailing, and feeling not okay. In this teaching, which is part of our ongoing unedited series, we are giving ourselves permission to say it when we're not okay, while also remembering that God is our refuge and yet worthy of worship through it all. Welcome to this, your Friday, October 2nd, 2020 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. Deanna Hobbs here, bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever on day 11 of our unedited series that reminds me and you that we don't have to edit out our struggles and feign perfection because God uses weak, vulnerable, and imperfect people like us to get glory and accomplish His purpose. My heart and soul is rejoicing over the goodness of God and how He has poured into us through this series. I feel like we've been in a good old Holy Ghost-filled podcast revival. I thank you for joining me around the world through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, YouTube, or wherever podcasts are heard. We are a family, and spending time with you every day has just been awesome. I pray that you are being enriched by what you hear. I woke up a little bit hoarse this morning, but I am pressing forward in the name of the Lord. Our ministry got a truly awesome testimony from Angela in Chicago about how God is working through this series. Angela wrote into the ministry and said this, I have been drug addicted since my teenage years. I started out smoking marijuana and graduated to crack cocaine. I said I never would do this because I saw how drugs destroyed my mother, but I found myself addicted. Even through my addiction, I started listening to your podcast three years ago. I would be using and listening to your messages. That might seem strange, but I wanted to change a long time before I did. A year ago, I really dedicated my life to God. I celebrated one year clean last week, and this unedited series has helped me dig up so many repressed issues and identify things that led me to use in the first place. Thank you, woman of God, from the bottom of my heart for this series. I have never heard anything like it, and it has changed my life. Oh, glory to God. I feel like running around this studio. God's power can break the back of addiction. Thank you for sharing this, Angela. We need to have a Holy Ghost fit. Can we get a praise break right now? Powerful and inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org slash donate. Thank you for your generosity.
All right, let's begin day 11 with a prayer. God, you are sovereign and so amazing. Thank you for this series and for sending this person to press play. Please destroy yokes and loose shackles today by your power and through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Many times in life, we end up going through struggles alone because we won't tell anybody we need help. When I was in the hospital, there was a nurse there who was a godsend for me. The afternoon that God worked a miracle for me and I got out of bed and walked, it was such a happy day. My family was in town. They had witnessed this joyous moment. God had brought me out of the darkest place and things were looking up. It was a good day. And that night, my husband Kenya had to go home and get some things. He was coming back. He stayed in the hospital with me every day, all day and all night. He lived there with me and slept in a recliner. I just love him. But when he had to go home for about an hour or so, it was after visitation hours were over and I was in the room by myself. And that was the first time I had been alone since the whole ordeal happened. Daily Cut family, being alone in that room felt scary. And that's when the enemy started talking to my mind and telling me I was going to start having seizures again and nobody would be there to help me. All at once, I just started spiraling emotionally. A wave of panic washed over me and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't yet realize that horrible anxiety was kicking in. Before Kenya went home, either he or a family member was present at my bedside. The more my mind was tormented, I started bawling. And you know that control that's attached to the hospital bed where you can push buttons for what you need? Well, I pushed the button to call a nurse. And when someone answered, I probably sounded so incoherent because I was panicking and saying I was scared and alone and I needed someone to help me. I wasn't okay. I still get kind of emotional thinking about how I was feeling in that moment. Ooh, I wish I could better describe it for you. I was trembling and drowning in a puddle of tears. Thank God that nurse showed up fast. She held my hand, stayed in the room with me, talked to me, told me it would be okay. And then she opened up about her own battles with anxiety and depression. And she didn't have to do that. She said, some days I struggle to get out of bed in the morning to groom myself or even deal with the day. She said, I had a really hard night last night and I've been going through this for years. She explained to me that I would be okay. She hugged me and I apologized for being such a mess. And she told me, no, don't be sorry. It's okay. And she told me it'll get better with time. And I don't know if I've said it during the unedited series or not, but I thank God for every doctor, nurse, and every member of the medical team that was there for me during my hospital stay that went above and beyond to make sure I was okay. God showed me his love through them and let me know that I wasn't alone. Frontline workers are a blessing and we are grateful for every single one currently working through this pandemic. Thank you. But in the hospital, I learned to say, I'm not okay. I think someone needs to hear that during this series. It's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to say you're not okay. And it's okay to ask for help. Don't edit that out. Because if you never tell anyone you're drowning or that you need support, they can't give it to you. The thing that I appreciate about my emotions these days since experiencing brain trauma that started my battle with mental health issues is my emotions betray that desire that I think we all have deep down inside to pretend we're strong when we're feeling weak. 
My emotions won't let me lie anymore. If I'm sad, I'm going to cry. My face is going to tell you I'm sad and I have to get that out of me. And I think that even though I may feel like my emotions are a little all over the place and more erratic these days, I'm healthier emotionally because I keep less bottled up, if that makes sense. I ask for help when I need it. Whether that's physical help or help coping with an emotional storm, I ask for what I need. I don't edit myself. I'm honest. And scripture says in Galatians 6 and 2 that we are to share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. That word burdens is a Greek word, baros, which means a burdensome weight, a load, heaviness, or trouble. So our job as Christians is to help others carry their heavy load. We're supposed to support people who are heavy and weighted down by trouble. This is what it is to be Christ-like. But how can anyone perform their Christian duty to help you if you won't say you need it, if you act like nothing phases you, if you walk around like you're made out of steel? And then the third verse of that sixth chapter in Galatians is addressed to the helpers. It says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. (laughs) I love that verse. None of us is above needing help or offering help. This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. I grew up in a household with a dad who did not express emotions. Maybe somebody else can relate. If he was in pain, even physically or emotionally, he downplayed it. He always seemed strong. And as an adolescent, I remember I was at home and standing right there when my uncle came to the house to tell my dad that his mom, my grandmother, had died. Dad was actually getting dressed to go see her because she had been sick. And when my uncle told dad the news, he was just crying. He could hardly get the words out. And I remember my dad, all he did was let out this big sigh. He said, "Ugh." And then he just turned around real quick and walked up the stairs. He didn't say anything. I never saw him cry about it. In fact, when dad visited my house just a few weeks ago, dad talked about losing his mother and not crying. He had a revival to preach in Kansas City the night of her funeral. So he went to his mother's funeral and then hopped on a plane to go and preach for a week. So I thought from looking at my father that strength meant not being emotional and not being outwardly affected, even in hard things. I never really knew how my dad was feeling. He didn't talk about it and nothing showed up on his face. I assumed daddy was a superhero and nothing ever got to him. I know that's not true now, but when I was younger, I used to think that. And so while strength certainly has its place, I'm not saying we need to go to pieces all the time and everybody doesn't express their feelings the same way, right? And that's all right too. But whoever you are and however you express your feelings, you need to have some kind of way to alert somebody when you're not okay so they can help. I teach all the Hobbs children that it's okay to show your feelings. I especially drive this point home with the boys. Kadar and Caleb, that it's all right to show emotion. Crying does not make you weak. It makes you human. Kenya and I both teach them that because society sometimes makes boys and men feel like crying is weakness. And we certainly don't want our sons to think that masculinity means never giving release to your emotions. This morning, I was reading about Jonah when he was in the belly of the fish in Jonah 2. 
He certainly gave release to his emotions after running from his assignment, which was to go to Nineveh and preach to the Assyrians and tell them to repent and be saved from total destruction. God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah up for his disobedience. Obviously, Jonah wasn't okay during this traumatic event. In verse two, he prayed. And that verse says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of hell. I cried and you heard my voice. While Jonah was in this unspeakably horrific situation, he cried out to God. And in his case, there was no one else there to talk to. Verse 7 says his soul fainted within him. He felt his life slipping away. He thought he wasn't going to survive. He was horrified and terrified. But Jonah's suffering was all a part of the redemptive plan of God. Jonah suffered greatly, yes, but there was a deeper meaning and a greater purpose for what he went through. I'm going somewhere with this. Scripture draws parallels between the life of Jonah and the life of Jesus Christ. The name Jonah in Hebrew means dove, and the dove is a symbol of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And if you remember, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the bodily form of a dove and rested upon Jesus. When God's voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased in Luke 3 and 22. Jonah is a typology or symbol of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We know this to be true because Jesus explicitly says it himself in Luke 11 and 29, Matthew 12 and 39, and Matthew 16 and 4. Jesus refers to the sign of Jonah, and this evokes the powerful image of Jonah's three-day stay in the fish's belly being a sign of Jesus' three-day burial and resurrection. He rose on the third day. So then Jonah's awful experience in the belly of the fish, again, was all a part of God's redemptive plan. God knew Jonah would try to run away, and scripture said God prepared this fish for Jonah because God was using Jonah's life, as uncomfortable as his circumstances were, to point to Christ and the suffering Jesus would have to endure to save us from destruction just as Jonah saved the Assyrians from destruction. Now that we've got that, and we see that Jonah's story points to Jesus, I also want to point out that the spiritual elements of his story, the necessity of his suffering, and the fact that Jesus uses Jonah as an example did not make Jonah's suffering any less horrific. Even though it was never God's plan for Jonah to die in the belly of that fish, It didn't mean Jonah thought he wasn't going to die. The story of Jonah does not edit out the gory details and the agonizing suffering he went through. Though God's hand of protection was there and Jonah was never in danger of dying because God's purpose was on his life, that doesn't change the fact that he went through hellish circumstances and wasn't okay. I'm harping on this point because I need you to grasp this truth. You can be used by God, anointed by God, protected by God, favored by God, and called by God to go through something and yet not be okay. Because it's hard. Because it hurts. Because it's traumatic. Because it's scary. Because it's ugly. Because it feels ominous. God's prevailing purpose does not soften the agony of what we must go through to achieve his intended purpose for our life. 
I need you to get that and never forget it so that you can free yourself to not be okay and say so. It doesn't make you any less anointed, called, or chosen. It just makes you human. Imagine Jonah coming out of the belly of the fish and someone asking him, so how was it, bro? How are you, man? And him saying, I was chilling. I'm cool. It was a little dark, stank a little bit, but you know, all in a day's work. I'm straight. That's not realistic. And no one does that. No one mentally and emotionally healthy does that. You know, that night when Kenya was away and I was in the hospital room after my amazingly helpful nurse left, I was still shaken up and my phone rang and it was one of my sisters. I know God sent her. And when she heard my voice on the phone and I was crying, she just started praying. Daily Cup family, she prayed and prayed until I felt the presence of God around me. And she told me, Deanna, God said, worship through it. And that's exactly what I did. And the presence of the Lord engulfed me and that fear lifted off me, heaviness lifted off me. And by the time Kenya got back, I was doing fine because God had entered my circumstances. I worshiped through that emotional storm and pain. And that's what I had to continue to do over and over and over again. When you are not okay, saying so is important. Getting the help you need is important. Talking to someone about it is important. But don't ever underestimate the power of worship. In the midst of life-shaking, life-altering, life-shattering situations, when you don't know how to get through it, worship through it. Something shifts in the atmosphere when you worship. God is moved on his throne when his children worship. The power of God is activated when you worship. Remember when Paul and Silas were thrown in prison for casting the devil out of a girl in Acts 16 and 19 through 40? They were beaten severely, the Bible says, put in chains and locked in a prison cell. They were in severe pain with open wounds on their bodies. They had been whipped. But while they were in the midst of that pain, wounded, hurting, and shackled, they began praying and singing hymns to God, oh glory to his name. And when they got to worshiping and praising, the foundations of the prison were shaken and all at once the doors of the prison flew open and everybody's chains were loosed. Everybody got free. Even the jailer got saved. When you worship despite not being okay, shackles break off of you and everything changes. You don't have to wait to get to church to worship. You can worship in your house. You can worship in your hospital room. You can worship in your car. You can worship through the pain, worship through the tears, worship through the hurt, and watch God meet you where you are and break off those shackles. In Jonah 2, one verse before the fish vomited him out, he said, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Those were Jonah's last words before his deliverance. In the belly of hell, Daily Cup family, Jonah offered up the sacrifice of worship and thanksgiving and surrendered to the Lord. And that's when something broke. He was released from his affliction and into his assignment. Somebody listening, God is saying, he knows you have times when you're not okay. And he is compassionate and attentive to your cries. Don't edit out those moments. Give voice to your suffering. 
And he also wants you to know there is power in your worship, particularly wounded worship, because then it's a sacrifice. It's easy to worship and say hallelujah when everything is all right. Oh, but when you offer up a sacrificial worship, when you really have to press in, because it's a sacrifice to worship in hellish circumstances, that's when you get a breakthrough. That's when you see God shift circumstances. That's when you see things change both in you and around you. And though we don't worship to get anything, we worship just because God is worthy and it's our offering. There's no way you can commune and fellowship with God and not come away having been transformed. So tell God you're not okay and then worship through it. Talk to him. Tell him this is hard, but I yet love you. This is rough, but I'll still serve you. I feel broken, but I'm still willing to do all I can to please you. The situation is bad, but you are yet good. I don't understand this struggle or this season, but nevertheless, as David said in Psalm 34 and 1, I feel feel right churchy as he was on the run from King Saul and going through his own hellish circumstances he said I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth that's the word right there that I'm stirring into your cup of inspiration and as you drink down the contents of your cup know this when you're not okay and you say so and you still worship through it God has a way of supernaturally stepping down into your situation and loosing every shackle and releasing you from affliction and into your assignment. I am a living witness. Now let's pray. God, I pray for this, my sister, this, my brother, whenever they're going through a storm, thank you for confirming for them that it's okay to be honest, unedited, raw, and not okay, as long as they remember that you are our refuge in trouble. And whenever they call upon your name, and worship you through the struggle. You'll show up and comfort them, care for them, rescue them, and make everything all right. We worship you today, O oh God, in the good and the bad, not because of anything you've done, but just because of who you are. We will bless your name at all times, and your praise shall continually be in our mouths. In Jesus' name, amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.